0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Uh, I know it's been a while, but we are getting it cranked up in the off season, and Josh Marlowe is actually here in the in an off season edition of the podcast. I know it is extremely shocking that he has actually uh, come out of his uh, off season hibernation to come out and do this edition of the podcast, but. Uh, Very exciting, some great topics to talk about, and uh, I'm assuming that you are pumped up to do this podcast mainly because you want to talk about something other than the basketball team at this point, as the season for them just keeps getting worse and worse. So I'm assuming this is a very exciting time for you, at least being able to come on here and not have to be depressed during an episode of whatever podcast we're recording.
1: Yeah, Carolina basketball, it has now challenged the more depressing part of my life, sports or dating. Um, there is now a clear competition between the two. My God. Oh, I'm glad to be back. Um, hopefully, you take care of me financially. Well, for bringing me back out of my off-season mode, I had to clear a couple interviews, re- rearrange some things. Yeah, to to come on here and do I'm, this. I'm sure, but. Yeah, a little over a month away from spring ball and getting ready for it because basketball season can end soon enough.
0: Well, it actually is now a little under a month away, believe it or not. They will start on March 17th. That will be the first practice. So, yeah, it's kind of sneaking up pretty quick. Uh, But really the main storylines that we want to start here with uh, here on the opening drive is going to be uh, the commitments that Carolina landed just last week, a couple of really big ones. And so we'll start by talking about. We'll, we'll go with Gabe Stevens first because he was the first to commit, committed uh, last Saturday. Uh, not this past one, but the previous one before that. And look, ranked as the number 240th player in the country, number 16 athlete, number 13 in the state of North Carolina, four star guy that's going to be able to play pretty much all over in the secondary as well as a little linebacker uh, whenever he gets to Carolina. It really just depends. Gonna have to put on the weight if he wants to play linebacker, Um, going to have to probably stay at his same size and develop a little bit more in terms of coverage ability if he wants to stay or or if he wants to go to safety, Um, and then uh, cornerback was where he played his first year uh, at the high school level. Seems unlikely uh, that he'll play that when he gets to Carolina considering he hasn't played that since his freshman year of high school, but overall just a really solid player. One of those guys that kind of fits what Jay Bateman wants in... The rover type player that we've talked about, which is the hybrid linebacker slash safety that he really has employed in his defense anywhere else. Didn't really use it a whole lot last year, um, really due to a combination of things. The fact that there were just guys on the team that really didn't fit that role. And the other part of it was the team was just so banged up for most of the season in the secondary, he didn't have enough guys to really run it. So Gabe Stevens fits that mold. And again, another guy that in the state of North Carolina is inside the top 15 and, you know, really helps not only when it comes to his commitment, but is a guy that has really good connections with a lot of guys around the state and can help with other commitments. And that's kind of the same way that you feel about Gavin Blackwell, the number 91 overall player in the 2021 class, number 16 wide receiver in the class, which I thought is just ridiculous. 91 guys that are ranked, um, or 90 guys actually that are ranked ahead of him, 15 of them are wide receivers. So wide receiver looked at as a very strong group uh, in the 2021 class. And then he is the number 5 player in the state of North Carolina. Really good all-around player, a guy that is about as polished of a route runner as you're going to see coming out of high school. Still got a year to go. Um, Guy that catches just about everything. There were a couple highlights that really stuck out to me, of course. uh, The highlight from last year from him for me was uh, in that first game of the year, Uh, at Matthew Sportsplex playing against Charlotte Christian made an unbelievable catch on a throw that was a little bit underthrown uh, by a freshman quarterback Carson Black who's a name you'll have to keep an eye on here in future years but uh, Gavin Blackwell just an all around really strong wide receiver for the Tar Heels and it really helps them at a position of need and Mack Brown's staff continuing to do a phenomenal job uh, here in the 2021 class carrying over from what was a great 2020 class and so we'll move on to the main topic right there just want to give you a little bit of an intro into those two you guys. Of course, you can head over to the website right now and check out the more in-depth commitment articles on those guys where we dive into them a little bit deeper, look at their statistics, as well as look at their tape and break down their play for you. So go back and check those out on the website. But we'll go to the main topic which still has to do a little bit with recruiting. And that starts with Tim Brewster departing from Carolina. Now it's been a little over two weeks, but I think this was one that kind of caught us all a little bit off guard. Maybe it shouldn't have, but when you saw the news initially break, what was your thinking? Because I think it's it's interesting considering that I'm really more the guy that follows the recruiting here. You're the guy that really kind of focuses on the you know in game stuff and and everything during the season. So how do you think that Tim Brewster leaving affects this Tar Heel team, especially on the field?
1: Um. Yeah, it was surprising, uh, but then you find out why he left, and it wasn't very surprising. I think we knew when he came to join Mac Brown's staff, he probably wasn't going to be here for the long haul. This is now his fourth job in four years. It came down to he couldn't say no to the money. He can make it about, yeah, you got a better chance to win a national title at Florida or recruiting's better in Florida, whatever. He left because of money. And the thing that stung the most was that, like, literally the day before he left, he's on there tweeting about, you know, recruiting in the state, getting all the best players to come play for Carolina, come play for Mac Brown. Next day he leaves. So, um we appreciate the time we had him for, because he really helped fix the recruiting in the state of Carol in the north in North Carolina. But I mean, it's just who he is. I don't I mean I you know, scumbags, probably too harsh of a word to call him. But four jobs in four years, and every time it's because he's left for probably a better gig, better money, better money. Yep. There's no there's no loyalty here. Uh, he he's the embodiment of a coach that complains about transfers but changes jobs every year. And that's really a, a big topic we have in college football or college athletics today. And you know, wish him the best of luck at Florida, but yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Mac Brown probably probably caught Mac Brown off guard because this is a guy that was here for the, the the major rebuild when they were here the first time. You're very close to being a contender, not just in the AC but nationally. Didn't think he'd he'd probably lose them as quickly as he did. So,
0: so what what is your opinion on on those guys that are moving on around the country? I mean, Mel Mel Tucker's probably the biggest example that everybody's kind of going off of. I don't know, uh, you know, I haven't seen. Brewster's salary at Florida, I'm with you. I'm thinking that there definitely is more a, a decent amount more money there. I don't know if it's quite Mel Tucker style where they doubled it, but are you one of those guys that thinks that if a coach makes a move like that, then kids should be able to make a move like that? Where do you stand on that? The ACC did have some actual news on that yesterday, supporting the one-time transfer without penalty rule yesterday afternoon, actually. Yeah, so. no, that that's common sense. I think... In the 60s and
1: 70s, when kids committed, they committed to an institution to get an education on top of playing football or whatever sport they're in. Now, they're not committing to a school. They're committing to a coach they have a relationship with. Mm -hmm. When that guy leaves for a better gig, that kid should be able to go find a better option that best fits him to play football at a high level and still get an education to set him up for life post Post football, the fact that people don't think that you're idiots, because you would do the exact same thing. Same thing with these coaches. We and look, I bashed Mel Tucker. How are you going to leave at one a.m. in the morning for a better job? But if someone offered me double my salary, it's hard to say no, and a better chance to be at the top of my field, then you're damn right, I'm going to pack up and leave in the middle of the night. But so should these kids – yeah, they should be allowed to go and they shouldn't be penalized. They shouldn't have to sit out a year because they want to transfer because their coach left them or quit on them, whatever you want to say it is, for a, a, a different opportunity. And the ACC, I think that's a good rule. I think that should be adopted across the Division One, no matter the sport. I don't care if it's field hockey. Let them, let them transfer. I mean, yeah.
0: What? What? Why should have to sit it's out of It's their here. career. It's yeah. their career, not
1: not not the coach's career. Uh, and especially since we're not getting paid to do any of this. Yeah, I mean, then 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 there that's, should be no Yeah, that's part
0: of it. There's there's really not a contract. I guess your scholarship is is basically a contract, but you don't sign. I mean, well, you sign a letter of intent. But I'm assuming on there that, I mean, look, at this point you're, you're going to have to adjust it because this is just the, the way things are. And I, I know people will say, oh, well, you know, this will encourage many more transfers. I don't really think it will. There are a lot of guys right now that we've seen with the transfer portal in place, they don't care that they have to sit out a year. If they really feel feel like they don't fit somewhere they will move on and not hesitate because they know they're going to get an opportunity somewhere so I don't think that it's going to really encourage that many more guys to transfer I, I think it's one of those things that's just kind of inevitable at this point point. and I, I think you're right it's probably going to come down to that either you let these guys transfer freely or you pay them you have to pick which one of the two you guys actually want so oh, well, they should do both They should be getting paid, and they should be allowed to transfer. Right. So focusing a little more on this, uh, then we'll kind of move on to who was hired in his place. I think that one of the things that a lot of people are going to be concerned about is that we saw this happen under Larry Fedora, where guys that were really good coaches – would leave over and over and over again. They weren't able to keep these guys in place. Now, Carolina's only lost one guy from the staff, but you got to believe if Jay Bateman comes out, has another good year this year at defensive coordinator, people could look at him possibly at maybe even a a bigger defensive coordinator job or a head coaching job. You you could look at even some of the other guys on the staff. Lonnie Galloway is a guy that has moved around at times in his career. Um, I think Robert Gillespie is probably pretty solid, but I think that would open up the conversation that some of these other guys could potentially look to go elsewhere. I'm not really overly concerned about it with – Brewster leaving because like like you said, four jobs in four years. We that's it's pretty obvious at this point that he's a guy that likes to be somewhere different every single year. And he wants more and more money. That's pretty much what he's chasing after at but I, I mean, is there any concern in your mind that this is going to be a problem again for Carolina under Mac Brown? Or do you think this is just one of those kind of anomalies here to start out his tenure, unfortunately?
1: No, because I don't think Mac Brown has a staff full of scumbags. Um, they got staff raises Whoa. after this year. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: Significant and, staff raises. And you as see well.
1: many, many fans that you follow on Tar Heel Twitter that took publicly to Tim Brewster and said, I. I approved a, a raise for you and you still left for more money. So, okay, it took 1 year, you went 7 and 6, you did the things we asked you to do, you beat your two biggest rivals, you made a bowl game, you won it and you get rewarded with the pay raise. So, I don't I don't feel like we've got a staff full of guys that are always looking to leave for a bigger paycheck. A lot of these guys are looking to grow uh, under the tutelage of Mac Brown and also probably believe in the program that they can get this thing where they ultimately want to get to. I don't think Tim Brewster ever thought that. I think he thought here as a quick fix so I can get back in a back in the SEC in a bigger job. I don't th- I think everyone else on the staff believes in what what we're trying to do here and what we're trying to accomplish. So I'm not worried about other guys leaving for money. You're worried about guys leaving because in bigger jobs, job. yeah. yeah.
0: And if they leave for that, I'm not going to come in here and complain about them because Right, that's career advancement. Well, I think I think the only one that you got to be really concerned about at this point is Bateman. I don't think I look, we talked about how Longo's offense started looking the part late in the year, but again, the conversation is when is he going to be able to do it in you know, inside the 20s or is it just going to continue to be in between the 20s where he's going to have all that success. So I think Bateman's probably your biggest threat but i i'm with you I, if he gets a, a head coaching job offer how are you going to complain about that but i think the rest of the guys on this staff are really solid and are really kind of sold on mac brown's message not, i mean that's the thing people have to realize mac brown's a little bit different larry fedora would hire guys and pretty much just say okay you know we're 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 here we think we can win but we're not really 100% sure Whereas with Mac Brown, it seems like Mac Brown is pretty much spreading the message that Caroline is going to win. You're either going to be here or you're not. And I think that's that's why a lot of these guys will stay around. So Carolina goes out. They hire John Lilly, who is extremely decorated, had long time stints at Florida State from 1998 to 2007, then at Georgia from 2008 until 2015. Bounced back and forth here recently, uh, was going up to the NFL level with the Los Angeles Rams at one time, then went back down into the college level, coached to Tennessee, and then eventually was the coach of the Cleveland Browns here this past year but he's got a proven track record and the other thing I I think Tim Brewster's a loss on the recruiting trail I don't think Tim Brewster's a huge loss as a tight ends coach because let's be honest the tight ends this past year did not have a good year they did, the Tar Heels did not have a single guy with more than nine catches and did not have a single one of their tight ends reach the 100-yard receiving mark. So, I mean, you can measure them as well in, in in run blocking where I thought they were relatively successful. I think Jake Vargas was probably your most successful guy. He's moved on now. Uh, they got a lot of changes there. I wonder about the mindset of some of these guys that are on the roster, John Copenhaver, Kendall Carr, uh, who committed to Tim Brewster and thought they were going to be able to play under Tim Brewster. But I still feel like you hired a guy that's, an extremely experienced veteran. You hired a guy that can help you in recruiting and has been the director of recruiting at two different schools, and it looks like he he fits the part and 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 should be someone that people should definitely be excited about.
1: Yeah, no, um, you're, you're getting an upgrade um, with your on-field production from your tight ends in terms of how they'll be coached, prepared for for game week, and he may not be the current recruiter that Tim Brewster is, but. He recruited for Florida State and for Georgia. Okay, sign me, yup, because uh, under those two stops, he brought in boatloads of talent on teams that were national title contenders year in, year out. In some ways, this is an upgrade because you're going to get a guy that's got great recruiting ties in the state, can still recruit at a very high level, and also coach in the midst of all the recruiting responsibilities he's going to have, so the tight end Production should take an uptick next year. Just shows you that Mac Brown just knows what he's doing. And at the time that Tim Brewster left, it hurt. But he just moved on and and, and upgraded that that position on the staff. So um, excited about the hire, excited to see what he can do as a recruiter. And and on the field as a coach. Well he's got
0: the proven track record like you talked about on the recruiting trail. Help recruit guys like Preston Parker, who played at Florida State, eventually went on to the NFL, played with the New York Giants. Jacob Park, who was at the time a huge quarterback commit. Remember, he went on, eventually went to Iowa State, had the the, the luscious locks, got benched. Uh, his career never really panned out, but at the time he came in as a five-star guy. I think at one point he may have even been rated as the top quarterback in that class. Lamont Gilliard, who was a really good offensive lineman a couple years ago for Georgia. Terry Godwin, the wide receiver that just left a few years ago. Really strong player that uh, came in. Highly rated prospect. And then the one that I think should stick the most with people Roquan Smith who of course went extremely high in the NFL draft uh, to the Chicago Bears really good overall player currently at the NFL level as well uh, after a decorated career at Georgia so He's got the track record, and you, you, you would think that there will be some improvement from the tight ends this year. Uh, Garrett Walston looks like a guy that kind of fits the mold of the type of tight end that you would want in a Phil Longo offense, athletic, good route runner, good hands, just hasn't really gotten the ball a whole lot. Um, and then there's a couple other guys like Kamari Morales who could have a chance to play. And then, of course, the freshman that will come in, uh, John Copenhaver, I know, is enrolling early as well as Kendall Carr. So both of those guys will have an opportunity uh, to come in and be coached by a guy that is seen as a, a, a one of the better tight end options that you could have had out there, maybe even the best. So uh, Carolina able to lock that one up. You talked about, you said a little while ago that one of the reasons that Tim Brewster might try to spin it, that he goes on to Florida, is that he has a better chance to win a national championship. Well, this was so some, This was something that was tweeted out by, I believe it was Mike Farrell from Rivals um, and he tweeted out something about uh, one of the guys one of the recruits or someone saying that you know Carolina you know has the national championship pedigree that they could get a national championship well one guy replies and says that there that, that it's not possible to win a national championship at North Carolina in football I thought this would be an interesting conversation to wrap up this main portion of the podcast is is this guy actually right? Like, do you really believe that there is a chance that Carolina can win a national championship? Because this is something that the Cover Two podcast always uses, and I, I always like the phrasing. Does Carolina have the championship? Pedigree. There's a lot of different stuff that goes into it, which is recruiting area, which is huge. Um, I mean, Carolina. You see, they're having success. 19th rated class this past year. Now the 10th rated class. Of course, we don't know if that'll stay up that high. We would think it's probably going to be pretty good again this year, especially if they recruit the state of North Carolina the way they have early. Um, but I, I, think you know those. That's a really big thing. Uh, you got to have, uh, of course, be in a power conference. It feels like. Like that's pretty much going to be a requirement now. We don't think we'll ever see a group of five team in the playoff, let alone win the playoff. Um, and, and Carolina's there. Um, and you've and got you got to have that coaching on your staff. It seems like all that stuff could be there for Carolina, and it might be there at the moment, especially with Mac Brown in place. What do you think? Do you think they have a chance? Is, is this a university that could win a national championship?
1: It's, it's possible. Because they've been in contention before, the most important thing it takes isn't the recruiting. The uh, you gotta have the right guy. With Mac Brown, Carolina's got a chance to be a legitimate national title contender. With Butch Davis, there the year before, all hell broke loose was a legitimate threat to win the national championship. That was the kind of guy that when we made that hire, that was the, the thinking. You were trying to make football more of a priority. We right. understand that it will never be the number one sport at Carolina for obvious reasons. Women's soccer. but Yeah, because women's soccer and Nancy <laughs> Dorrance is f- fantastic. But also just understanding that the fact it's still possible, they fit the rare mold of a school that can be great in both. Ohio State, Michigan State have been both at times. Uh, most recently, um, Michigan – a lot of a lot of big ten schools are kind of Oklahoma's had some success. Oklahoma's here and there. done it. Texas Auburn times, yeah. you know, made the final Auburn, four last yeah. year. Yep. Um, but you gotta have the right coach leading the program. So that's why with Mac Brown you got a shot. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to see what Carolina does Post Mac Brown, they brought Mac Brown back in to save the program because they lost a big majority in the fan base because we weren't winning. Mm-hmm. And so you bring that hire in, he brings in all the expectations. He does everything right in the off field, in the off season. He goes out, wins your football game. So now we now we're believing again. But what does Carolina do post Mac Brown? Do you go hire a Larry Fedora type of guy? We've ran that track. You're not going to win a national title under that kind of guy. So that's that's the most important thing. I think football is becoming more important to Tar Heel fans than it it was because then you look at our fan base. You got the older fan base that are still diehard football, basketball. You've got the middle part, like where my dad was just more of a basketball fan growing up for Carolina in general. Then you've got the younger generation, you and I, that we're, we're both. We want to win in both because, well, we want to win in everything. So that's the thing is you got to have you have this medium of fan bases where it's it's different, and – You've got to find a way to be good in both. Carolina's there right now. You've got a team that's going to be a top-20 team next year in the preseason. Mm-hmm. They win their first two games, legitimate threat to make the college football playoff. They're there already in the yeah. second year under Mac. I, Brown. Yeah, I would so agree with that. Yep. It's possible. Will it happen? Most likely not, and not because of Carolina. Not, not many teams are beating Clemson. Right, and the teams that are beating Clemson, look at the teams that are beating them. Carolina ain't ready to compete with LSU, Ohio State, Alabama. It is possible, probably in an expanded playoff field, not in a fourteen playoff field.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think you're you're. I'm right on point. I think you're on point. No, I'm right. I think they could make the fourteen playoff because they're in the ACC. Enough they have to be undefeated. To, they they would have to beat Clemson for sure.
1: No no doubt.
0: I think they could make it if – not this year. This year you lose to Auburn, beat Clemson, run the table the rest of the way, you probably still don't get in, honestly. But in future years, if you keep building something up, because everybody wants to compare, well, look at what Clemson was before they became what they are now. That's fair, but they did have a national championship. There was a time where Clemson was really, really good, where they were maybe not as dominant as they are now, but they were still the pinnacle of college football. Carolina's never really been there, but they've been close. And if you want to talk about, well, look at, the track records for some of these others, because you know that's that's the argument that a lot of people will make in, from from Clemson fans, Ohio State fans, stuff like that, is well, Carolina's never really had a consistently good team. I mean, look at the look at the success that they've had. They had success under Bill Dooley. They had success under Dick Crum. They had success under Mack Brown. They had success under Butch Davis. There are just about every decade there is at least a period of success and so it's it's there There's a chance for you to be really, really good. You're in a conference that, while people say it's down right now, look, we know Florida State's eventually going to become Florida State again. They're going to be really good. They still recruit the state of Florida really well, which is huge. Miami, it doesn't matter. They always hype Miami up, so that's a team that, if you play them earlier in the year, that could be a significant win for you on your resume. And then there are are other historical teams in this conference I mean look at Pittsburgh they've had some success from time to time never know when they could jump up there and once again kind of revitalize that success but I think you know you talk about the recruiting area Carolina not only does it in the state of North Carolina they've recruited pretty well in the state of Georgia especially over the last few years the Tidewater area has been one of those areas they've recruited very well and if they keep Dre Bly in place you would think that's going to keep up and you know I think the other thing is is do you have a fan base that can help you get to that point I think that what it was shown last year that with what Mac Brown can bring to the table in terms of energy and just life into the program it, it's it's there their fan base is supportive enough to where, people will want to come there and 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 play for you, and that's huge because you've got to be able to have a good home field environment. You've got to be able to welcome in these difficult opponents and find ways to win games against them. Now, the thing is, they're still, they're still a ways away from that. We're talking about a team that went 7-6 and six last year. We're not talking about a team that went 11-1 and one and got left out of the playoff. This is a team that still has a lot of steps to go, but I'm with you, and I think I'm. I might even be a little, probably a little more positive than you. I think it. I think it definitely can happen because oh, I, no, I, I everything is happen. there. Oh, I know, I know. I think that it's just not going to. I yeah. I'm, see, you, I don't. I, you've got to have a lot. To you're go gonna ride. have to string together back to back great coaches. I think that Mack Brown. Well, the, the key is is that you've got Mac Brown here late in his career, and so what I believe is going to happen is whenever Mac Brown eventually steps away, he will help you pick the next coach. He no, he's going to be part of the athletic department.
1: There's no helping; he should pick the mentor or the successor.
0: I mean, that's pretty much what you would think at this point. And of course, you know, is Jay Bateman still on the staff? Is Will Healy still at Charlotte? Those are two names that have been floated around quite often. You know, who is is any other big name kind of jumping out to you? Is there somebody that gets freed up from, you know, one of the bigger jobs that you want to give an opportunity to see if they can do something with it? If you're able to do that, I think at that point, that's where you're going to be able to build that type of stability that you're going to need. If you're going to turn into what people would consider a national power. And... I think Carolina's always been billed as that sleeping giant. I think if you're in that category, you have a chance. If you're not not put in that category, then you don't have a chance to become one of those types of teams. I I think Carolina could be like... The comparison I would make, they could be like an Oregon, a team that could make the playoff, could even make a national championship. They've already
1: done it, so, yeah.
0: In terms of... Being a staying power in college football to the point of where they're always going to be great, like Clemson, like Alabama right now, I don't know if that's kind of where I see Carolina, but I see them as a team that could make noise year in and year out, have a couple of those down years, but will always be one of those teams that people will look at if they can get the right hire after Mac Brown.
1: And that's all. that's all we're asking for. Right. We don't. We don't demand excellence. We're not expecting ACC and national titles here. We're just asking to win. Yeah, at I mean, a
0: consistent rate. You just want to, like we talked about when we talked about Mac Brown's hire. We want to be able to make the ACC championship game every three years, and maybe once or twice, find a way to pull an upset, make yeah. an Orange Bowl, maybe slip into the playoff if the schedule sets up that well for you, because. It's not like the talent's not there. You've always been able to recruit at Carolina. It's looked at as, as a, a good overall university to play for, college football and definitely college basketball-wise. So the, the reputation is there, and you can see that by the guys that they're hiring right now, it, this is a place that's looked at as a, a, a place you can win at. So if if you get the right guy in place, I, I think Carolina's definitely got a shot.
1: Oh yeah, no, I definitely agree. I just the most important thing is how do they handle Mac Brown's retirement? Mm-hmm. That'll that'll be the the thing. They struggled with Carolina basketball post Dean Smith, post Dean Guthridge or Bill Guthridge. How does Carolina handle post Mac Brown part two? They didn't handle it good the first time. Maybe Bubba Cunningham is more ready than Dick Bedore was back in the 90s. You get the right guy in here, and it just continues on, and you continue to win nine, ten games a year. and That's
0: what we're asking for. I I think we would all love that, and it's definitely possible. So let's move on, close this thing down with the 40-yard dash. And so we go to the 40-yard dash where we will update you on a couple of other storylines that are going on around Tar Heel football. Of course, it is NFL draft season, so that means that we are closing in on the NFL Combine, which will be in primetime this year. Yes, I get to watch it while I'm eating my dinner. I am extremely excited. And I don't have to record it this year, so you can't make fun of me. So uh, Charlie Heck and Jason Strobridge both were invited to the NFL Draft Combine. Pretty much expected. Heck had a pretty solid week at the Senior Bowl, looks like a guy that'll get drafted uh, at offensive tackle, probably play somewhere, um, you know, on the weak side wherever he goes. Uh, probably be a great fit with his dad in Kansas City. Um, and then uh, Jason Strowbridge, guy that was really dominant throughout the weeks of practice down at the Senior Bowl, uh, and then came out in the game what wasn't quite as impactful as he was uh, during practice, but still a guy that uh, really I think drew some eyes and makes sense why he got invited. Miles Dorn and Aaron Crawford, two guys that I'm still shocked didn't go. I'm really shocked with Miles Dorn being that he was at the um, East-West Shrine game, uh, was said to have had a pretty good week and is a guy that's seen as a draftable guy uh, in terms of the safety position for most of the major draft analysts. A little shocked that he's not going. Aaron Crawford, look, he's nowhere on any of these draft boards. Still just blows my mind. Best interior defender um, from a year ago in terms of defensive linemen uh, in run defense. Still isn't getting invites to any of this stuff. Uh, I expect him to tear up his pro day and that will hopefully put them on some draft boards but as of right now only Charlie Heck and Jason Strobridge will be heading to Indianapolis. Meanwhile the Tar Heels uh, on the 2021 recruiting trail have made some top teams list. Uh, 2021 four-star running back Evan Pryor released his top six just a few days ago. North Carolina, Oklahoma, USC, Ohio State, Penn State, and Georgia are the final six for him and Carolina is said to have had a a little bit of a boost with the fact that Gavin Blackwell did commit. Really good relationship between Pryor and Blackwell so keep an eye on that. We'll see how that affects his recruitment but some really tough schools that Carolina is going to have to fight off in Ohio State and Penn State who have... uh, the history at running back and uh, should be able to uh, keep themselves in the race pretty firmly. Uh, Then 2021 four-star wide receiver Jaden Thomas released his top 11. Carolina, Virginia Tech, Michigan, LSU, Tennessee, Arkansas, Alabama, Notre Dame, Florida, Georgia, and Ohio State are his top 11. Little bit of a surprise uh, for the young man out of the state of Georgia that Carolina was there, but continues to show you just how good Carolina is recruiting, especially Especially at the wide receiver position and uh, that is an area that they are going to have to hit hard in the 2021 class with the fact that they will lose as many as four of their top guys uh, from this past year. So uh, sticking with the 2021 class both 2021 three-star strong side defensive end Keyshawn Silver and three-star outside linebacker Raniere Dilworth they will both be heading to the Under Armour All-American game. They announced that they had their invitations just a couple of days ago and they have committed to play in that game so uh, those are two guys that Carolina could very uh, well end up with uh, as we go throughout this 2021 cycle and uh, if they do Carolina will just continue their success here over the last couple of years of having guys play in some of these big time bowl games and then finally we wrap up the XFL of course kicked off two weeks ago Carolina's got a couple of guys that have been playing Austin Prohl was the star in week one 10 targets five receptions, 88 yards receiving, and two touchdowns. He did not quite have the same success for a Seattle Dragons team that struggled in Week 2, but Carolina did see some success from running back Elijah Hood, who's had a good start to his career with the L.A. Wildcats, and then uh, also saw Marquise Williams get into the game uh, for the New York Guardians against the D.C. Defenders, who uh, do start former North Carolina Tario uh, cornerback, Des Lawrence. So, uh, that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Of course, want you guys to head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com That's where you can check out all of the latest news that we have, not only on the football team, we got you covered there uh, with all of the latest stuff. Uh, of course, you can go back read the John Lilly Hire article uh, get a little more information on him and what he'll bring to the table as the Tar Heels tight end and recruiting coordinator uh, this next year as well as read those commitment articles that I told you about earlier on Gabe's Stevens and Gavin Blackwell will be having a lot more um, uh, interesting pieces here coming out soon in terms of the 2020 team as we get closer and closer to spring practice which kicks off in just under a month as for the basketball side of things still got you covered even though this team has now dropped to 10 and 16 and for some reason the basketball gods keep ripping the hearts out uh, every single game it seems we've got you covered with all that though recap from the game against Notre Dame. We've got my analysis of the game against Notre Dame, and then we will preview the game coming up this weekend against Louisville. Uh, At this point, I think everybody's just kind of on the same page. Let this season end so that we don't have to keep going through this over and over again, but we'll take you all the way until the end, even if Carolina makes a run in the ACC tournament, or if they somehow get into the NCAA tournament, we'll take you all the way home. Uh, With that, also a little bit of light baseball coverage on there as well. You can go back, uh, read the uh, three storylines heading into the year and then you can also go back if you missed the first weekend of Carolina Baseball, read our recaps that we have um, from the first weekend weekend series against Middle Tennessee State so you guys can go check all that out heeltoughblog.com of course you can check the podcast out on there as well or you can check it out on all of the major podcast sites, major ones of course being iTunes uh, Google Podcast has it as well as Spotify, iHeartRadio Radio, tune in uh, all of those different ones. Radio.com app. You can go on there. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe the podcast so that uh, you don't miss any episodes that we have. Uh, as we'll be bringing on some some guests here as we get closer to spring practice, and we'll also be having them update us on everything that's going on in spring practice. So, Tario football is in the off season right now, but guys, it won't be far long uh, before we get back into hitting uh, the thick of things. So, make sure you. Guys guys are following along with us uh also can do that on the facebook page heel tough blog on facebook or the twitter page at heel tough blog so that does it for this edition of the heel tough blog podcast want to thank josh for coming on with me here in the offseason, taking some time to talk about the hiring of coach john lilly the departure of tim brewster and much more want to thank you guys for listening and as always go tar heels